Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. At the legend, the NBA veteran, the McDonald All American, your host, Marcus Liberty in the building. What's up, Marcus? What's up, my beautiful people? And we got a special guest in the building today. One of the Peoria's finest. I say the heart and soul of Peoria. Uh, went to Peoria, Richwood, did his thing. Peoria Central did his thing. Went on to Lawrence College. Number been inducted into the Hall of Fame in, in Peoria. Uh, part of the uh, Hall of Fame in Shriman in 2002. Played in 18 seasons with the Harlem Globe Charter. Toured over 81 countries. Give it up for Curly Boo Johnson, baby. What's up, Curly Boo? What's up, Mike? What's up with you? It's all about y'all, man. I love this show, and I'm so happy that y'all asked me to be on it, man. This is awesome. No doubt, man. No doubt, Curly, man. And it's, uh, it is a pleasure to have you on, man. And um, just listening to some of the stories and some of the things that you had shared with us earlier, too. That's going to be awesome, man. So we're going to chop it up real good, man. Have some fun with it. And, you know, I know you've been seeing our show. Uh, we always start off with who got you involved with the game of basketball, and then we go on from there, you know. But we always like to warm it up with who put that rock in your hand. Curly Johnson Sr., my father. Uh, he showed me uh, the game of basketball, gave me the love that I carried with me the rest of my life. Chicago DuSable, 1954, part of a great team. And went on to Bradley, became one of Bradley's first black players along with his high school teammate, Shelly McMillan. So I got my uh, start from my father. Wanted to be just like him. Wow. 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 So I wonder what's Charlie Brown on that team with your dad? That's my Uncle Charlie. That's what I call him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Charlie Brown, unfortunately, is one of the one of three players that's still alive on that team. But that starting five and fifty-four was sweet Charlie Brown, incredible shooter, incredible player, the great Paxton Lumpkin, uh Shelly McMillan, Bobby Jackson, and my father Curly Johnson. Wow. Nasty. That's, that's awesome, man, because I remember Charlie, you know, he used to referee my games, but he used to always drop some stuff to me, like some knowledge. And I'm looking at him like, man, you, what are you talking about, man? You Have you played before? <laughs> and then he basically had, you know, educated me on some things like, yeah, man, I was a, a part of great DuSable teams back in the day. And just because I'm refereeing now, don't mean I don't know the game. <laughs> and I, I kind of understood that because a lot of times people want to stay around the game. And I think he wanted to stay around the game. And that's one of the reasons why he was refereeing. Absolutely. People had no idea that they had one of the pioneers of Chicago basketball refereeing them games. And uh, I don't know if you noticed, at 6'2", 6'3", he almost has a seven-foot wingspan. Yeah, he was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was one of the most deadly shooters, and I'm involved in the documentary to uh, to tell the story of what happened to them downstate. And hopefully it'll be out in uh, 2021. We got the trailer out, but... I'm giving those brothers they just do and uh, try and get their state championship trophy that was stolen from them. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. They went 31-0 uh, and 0 and got cheated in the state championship game. And the game film was, was hidden from everybody from Chicago until I found it four years ago. 
Oh, so you did you you did some some inspector gadget stuff, like, <laughs> yeah, like, Columbo, FBI, Columbo, FBI. Right. I sure did, man. I I'd always heard the stories from uh, my dad and his teammates, and then when when Shelly McMillan died, I got to meet uh, Paxton, the great Paxton Lumpkin. If brothers from Chicago don't know who Paxton Lumpkin is, you got to do your homework. Yeah, on Paxton Lumpkin, Paxton Lumpkin is the one uh, uh, a lot of people feel revolutionized the point guard position and was the greatest point guard from Chicago until the great Isaiah Thomas. That's what they say. Wow. But uh, they got cheated. I found out a lot of things about the referee that did a man. And it's an amazing story. But oh, I'm trying wow. to resurrect, uh, you know, the story about these guys and, and vindicate them. They got cheated and the effects of them losing and that state championship had ramifications that affected all of them the rest of their life. You know, Marcus, you won a state champ. You went you went down state what three times? Uh two. Twice. Two. And yeah. one one. Was yeah, one, one. twice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was talking to Levi Cobb, who I got a lot of respect for. Mm-hmm. And uh Levi, of course, won the state championship in seventy six where he tipped the ball to Larry Smith for the, the jumper to win the state championship. When I talked to him, he said, we we lost my sophomore year. And he almost broke down telling me how hurt he was going down his sophomore year and the pain of having to take that ride back on I-57 yeah. and, uh, you know, letting his teammates down. But he came back two years and won. And some people don't know how the impact. They say it's just a game. It's not. But for some people, it's the game of life. And you carry it with you forever. And to all of our listeners, man, we have the great Curly Boo Johnson joining us. If you're just timing in with us, um, we're going to have some fun today, man. And uh, we're happy to have him. So if you got any comments, feel free to leave them and we will get back to them. But right now, Curly is dropping some knowledge, man. <laughs> yes, he is. Hey, what so, you like, can I real quick live? What was. What's the name of the documentary, though? Did you you have a name for it? Stolen. Oh, okay. <laughs> Stolen. <laughs> That'll do it. A fitting Stolen. name. A fitting name. Yes, sir. You guys going to be shocked. In fact, a uh, fitting name, man. a little later on, I'm going to send you guys the trailer so you can see for yourself. There's oh, some man, calls in there that. in that game that will insult everything that you brothers know about basketball. Wow, so they cheated like that. Who did they play? Mount Vernon. Mount Vernon. There you go. Mount Vernon is way down south, brother. And uh, at that time, that was the first time an all-black team with a black coach had ever gone to the state title. Had ever gone that far. First time. What year? And what year was that again, Curly? 1954. 1954. Wasn't even. I wasn't even thought of. No. I was. uh, I was minus eleven. (laughs) <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, wow. but 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 I'm glad you're doing that, Curly, because uh, our pre- our people, especially in Chicago, they need to know the history, like of basketball, not just where we at now, but before that, it was somebody that paved the way for us to play in state championships game, to be able to compete in Chicago with, with amongst each other. It was guys way before us, man, and I'm glad you dropping the names that, you know, a lot of us don't know. 
Well, I'm going to make sure you guys know. And uh, uh, Sweet Charlie is a walking, talking, living legend. And he's over there at Washington Park that runs the uh, the men's league. He's been running that league uh, for many years. And people just don't know. When he walked by, like when he, like you said, when he was reffing how bad that joker was back in the day. And played in the NCAA championship game alongside Elgin Baylor. So, Curly, we telling you now, I need to get Charlie's number. You ain't lying, man. Because I got, got we got to get him on here too. We got to get him man, on. He, he'd be happy to come on. I'll get you his number, no problem. Yeah, we got to get him on. Let's get back to you. Your pops put your the ball in your hands. Um, now, at the time that he did when he put that ball in your hand, is this something that like some people, some parents force like? No, you're going to play basketball. Or did it just come naturally? Like, you know, dad spoon feed me a little bit here and there. Or did he just go all in with it? He he held back. I was born in Chicago. We moved to Peoria when I was five years old. Bradley gave my dad the head coaching job. So my dad would take me in the summers up on Bradley's campus. So I was hanging around the Bradley players being the ball boy. And my father never put pressure on me. But I was always up there in the gym. But then I played baseball too, played little league, played football, JFL football when I, uh, I think at age ten. Plus, I wanted to be Bruce Lee more than anything. <laughs> be honest, <laughs> you know. Me you too. Know, <laughs> tell the truth. Who did right? Who did? I got my ass whooped by my mama for breaking her uh, her broomstick. <laughs> And making me some, some gun chucks with my bicycle chain. I got my ass tore. Shit. I wanted to be Bruce. Hey, I wanted to be Bruce. Hey, you ain't lying. Everybody wanted to be Bruce Lee, though, man. Yeah. Uh, but, but can you imagine the effect that Bruce Lee put on a lot of African Americans, man? Like, really? Right. Like his his effect, man, it was crazy because I I was the same way. I was like, man, what the hell? You know, he died when I was in the third grade, and the last movie I saw was Enter the Dragon, oh, and I was man. a big Bruce Lee fan. I was like, wait a minute, there's a brother in the movie. All yeah. these other movies that I saw, Chinese Connection, yeah. Mr. Fury, Game, Jim Kelly, Game, or whatever, right? And all of a sudden, here comes Jim Kelly. Yeah. Right. I was like, right. damn, they got a brother. In the Chinese <laughs> karate movie. I started liking Jim Kelly, but he died in the movie. He died yeah. in the movie. They fed him in the sharks. He was the first one to die in the movie. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, man. Well, hey, they had man. Black Bill Jones. They had Black Bill Jones later, they right? Showed, uh, knock off. Knock off <laughs> Black Bill Jones, right? He survived in that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, those were the days, though, man. So you grew up. In those in the days, man, where movies you can go to the movies, enjoy it. You can go to a basketball game and enjoy it. You can go out on the basketball court and enjoy it. It's different now, you know. It's different. And 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 Curly, when you were playing, you know, on the streets in the playgrounds, you know, earning that rep. Um, I know you got ties in both, you know, places, Chicago and Peoria, which is you know great. Um, but who did you? look up to as far as I know you, your dad is one but as far as that guy who made it who was that point guard that you looked up to Ooh we um when we moved to Peoria when I was five years old 
I went to every Bradley game with my father. Every Bradley game. And there was a dude from my neighborhood. We from three blocks away from Chicago State is our family home. 98th okay. and Forest is where we're from. Oh. And there was a dude from our neighborhood named Henry Hank, Hank Thomas. What? Yes. Yes. He, he went to Harlan. You know, Harlan, oh. man, I could I could throw a baseball and hit Harlan from my house. Yeah, you yeah, Chicago. I know exactly where that is. Yeah. So Hanky, a lot of people don't know that Harlan was uh pretty good back in the day in I the early seventies. So Hank, if you know Hank, Hank is probably about five seven. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe. Nobody was recruiting him. So my father called down to uh Peoria and said, Hey. There's a kid here, man, y'all need to take a look at. And they gave Hank a uh, scholarship and the rest is history. And he became one of the first black sports agents. Yep. Oh, wow. You know? So um, I used to look up to Hank, to all the Bradley players, uh, guys in the NBA. I like Earl Pearl Monroe with his spin move. Mm-hmm. But then I used to love the Harlem Globetrotters because my dad had played with him for a couple of weeks. But one of his college teammates, a dude named Bobby Joe Mason, was a star for the team. So when they came to Bradley, I got to be the ball boy. I got to be in the locker room with them. They would come to my house. I'd hang out with them. So I started loving Curly Neal. Curly right. Neal was my man. Right. Him. And Marcus Haynes. That's right. right. Marcus Haynes. Those right. Are, and the right. dude that was mentioned, I think, I don't know, somebody mentioned Leon Hillard. That's somebody you need to look up. Who went okay. to McKinley High School in the 50s. Uh, Kelly went straight from high school to the Harlem Globetrotters. So I knew these brothers. I loved them. But then when I was in the eighth grade, dude named Mitchell J.J. Anderson. Yes, sir. Came to play for Bradley. And I, man, I wanted to walk. You know, he had a, he had a walk that was different. Yeah. Almost like he was, you know, right. whatever. Man, I wanted to walk like him. I wanted to talk <laughs> like him. I love Mitchell J.J. Anderson. And when he came, and Dick Vasage brought him there, and he averaged 43 points a game in high school. I think he and Mark Aguirre was about neck and neck right. in high right. school. And things changed, man. That's who the guys that, uh, that I love. And then two years later, Willie Scott out of Chicago, out of your alma mater, yeah. Marcus. Willie Scott came. So I would go to every single game watching these brothers play and uh, try to model my game like them. So, wow. Man, man, that's – but you don't get that as much, uh, Curly, what you were just speaking on, like giving guys credit, like giving them they just do, giving them they respect. Like you respected their games. A lot of people would downplay people's game. You're like, yeah, he all right, man, you know. But, 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 but Mitchell, yes. I remember watching Mitchell, you know, and I'm like, this this dude is unbelievable at six 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 seven puffs and the moves and the, I mean how he was getting past Michael and all those guys. I'm like, man, he is smooth. Yeah, I loved him. Then they got a couple more Chicago boys. Uh, Big Donald Reese came down, and Bradley started to have some success. So I would hang out with them throughout the whole year, but in the summer, I go back to Chicago visit my grandparents. In 98th and Forest, I got to walk right up uh, three blocks over to Chicago State yeah. and watch the summer league when yeah. it was in its heyday. That's right. And, and J.J. was one of the star stars there. 
And I was like, man, hey, man, that's my cousin, man. That's my cousin. <laughs> you, know, you know how it is in the black culture. If you love somebody so much, you make them your cousin. I said, that's my cousin. Wow. But then I met a dude that lived three blocks down named Michael Conley. I know Michael. I, no, 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 no. Okay, go ahead. Michael Conley Sr. Luther South. Yep. Okay. The, the, yeah. the track, right? Yeah. That's track, but got a state basketball championship as a point guard. Right. Really? Jumped yeah. out the gym. Dude, I ain't never seen nothing like it before in my life. Okay. At at 5'11. He lived at 95th and Fours. My my family home was at 98. So I met him at Shed uh, Playground and I saw him get a steal and take off and did the dunk at the time that uh, Daryl Griffith, where he take it around here, around the waist. Daryl Griffith used to do that take off. I saw him do it at 5'11". And then just messing around, I saw him just take a couple steps poof, behind his head. I ain't never seen nothing like it before in my life. So I started hanging around him. <laughs> and we would go up to uh, Chicago State to watch the game. Except for uh, I, I took my bike up there and never saw it again. <laughs> that I'm, time, from baby. I'm from Peoria, man. At that time, Peoria, man, you can leave your bike anywhere and nobody's going to take it. <laughs> I learned my lesson. sitting on that, boy. They waiting <laughs> on that. It was gone. I had a Huffy. Oh, yeah. yeah. You had a oh, good yeah. bike. You had a great bike, man. <laughs> Hey, Carl, it's amazing, man, how people in your era always revert back to that old school Chicago state when it was like free. When you know it was you could come in there and you could walk up to those guys. You you was right there. These kids are not afforded that, man. You know, and that's three blocks from the house, Bobby. Yeah. Three blocks away from the house. I get up there. You had to get up there early. Yeah. Be hot. Be hot as hell, too. Yeah. And you got to see Mark Aguirre. You got to see. Well, put it Terry. all the ball players, Terry, yeah. all the ball players. Yeah, I remember Mickey Johnson, Mickey Johnson, the Chicago State players were no day at the beach. Yeah, I remember Tank Eversley, Ken Dancy, uh, Ken, yes, yeah. Um, of course, the Rick. Loyola players you got to see. I remember Ricky Carl Nix came back from mm -hmm. Indiana State. Mm -hmm. Isaiah, uh, I didn't even think. Man, I even JJ. think. Didn't, didn't Jeff Hornestack used to play back in the day too? He was from here. Jeff is my he... age, so I was I was I was like uh, maybe a freshman or sophomore in high school. And Jeff is my age. I don't remember seeing him, but I do remember a dude that was killing everybody. What was his name? His name was uh, Eddie Hughes. Oh yeah, Eddie Hughes. Eddie Our Frederick Hughes. Our Frederick Hughes he was killing everybody. But, but you had the Chicago State players, you had the the Paul players, Loyola. The Bulls players and the Chicago pros, like Cheeks, yeah. uh, Kevin Porter, uh -huh. man, it was, and you got to see him for free. Yeah, you know, yeah. Doc yeah. Rivers, Doc Rivers used to take off, didn't he, man? Doc Rivers, yes, people sir. didn't know Doc Rivers had hops, man. I used yeah, to run up there too, right Curly. I was from 102nd yeah. and LaSalle, so I used to run all the way up there too, man. That, it was good, and we didn't have to worry about all the violence back then. Maybe we can get right. get it back to that with these kids. And I was on the L train, dude, coming to watch them games. <laughs> you couldn't miss it. <laughs> Wanted to see it. But, but yeah, Curly, now, so you had wrote something on our timeline, and we were, we had Darren on when, when DB was on, and you, you mentioned something. That if you put that ball down, 
he's going the other way for a bucket. And a lot of people don't know DB, you know, and I think you have a little relationship with him. So talk a little bit about him, a little bit. Just share a little bit about what you remember. Okay. um, I went to college, played NAIA ball in Iowa. I knew I had to try out with the Globetrotters. I got kicked out of my house. Stepmama kicked my ass out the house in Peoria. So I had to go to Chicago and stay with my family at 9849 Forbes. So I needed a place to work out. I knew I had to try out. I go up to Chicago State to play. And I became friends with your boy Flip, Flip Fred Shepard. Yep. Uh-huh. Because it wasn't easy for me to get in gyms because I didn't know nobody. And plus, your Chicago brothers, they really ain't got no respect for no for Peoria boys. Y'all just don't. Y'all just don't. The <laughs> fact of the matter. <laughs> y'all don't have any respect for us. Respect will have to be earned. Right. So Darren Brittman had just graduated, and I think uh, he went to Milwaukee Bucks camp and didn't uh-huh. work out for him. So he was in the gym every day looking for the next move, and they was calling him Alibaba. I was like, what kind of nickname is that? Alibaba? I found out. They was called. They first called him the thief, Darren the thief, Britman. Then they called him Alibaba. Now I got handles and ball handling and all that stuff, and I went up against him. I had trouble getting around him. He never picked my pocket off the dribble, and when I would get by him, dude, you got, you ain't free once you get by him. Right. I would get by him because he would. He made it easy for me because I'm the type of guy I want you to try to take it from me because once you shift your weight. I know how to get by you. Mm-hmm. He would come after it. And when he would, I get him behind me, I go to the basket, and all of a sudden, man. <laughs> he going another way. Like I said, that's a hell of a feeling going up to the basket and you ain't got no damn ball in your hand. <laughs> I'm serious. He was, a, he was frustrating. And if he wasn't guarding you, you was looking for him. And then also, if you got a rebound, he the best I had ever seen. When you come down with a rebound, he would just break it right from you, just, just take it right from you. And he was strong as hell, you know? You know, you get the ball, and you, they teach you to do this, shit, he gone the other way. <laughs> so that's the legend of Alibaba, as far as I'm concerned. I love the brother. I heard that things didn't work out for him with the Bucks. And then once I went on and I made the Globetrotters several years later, I come back and play in the summer leagues when I was in town, and I noticed he had kind of lost a step a little bit but still mm-hmm. relatively a young man. And then I didn't see him for a long time until uh, they got a hot dog stand, gyms, whatever, right at 95th. Mm-hmm. Ryan. Yeah, the size stand. Yeah, yep. And I was coming back from Rush Street, had my little suit on, had, had some smell good on, the whole thing, just coming back from being downtown. All of a sudden I heard somebody say, Curly, Curly. I didn't even recognize him. And he said, man, you look like a million bucks, man. I said, Alibaba? He said, yeah, man. I said, what's going on? He said, man, I'm just out here struggling, man. Uh, uh, wow. Can you help me out? And I was like, dude, I said, are you hungry? He said, yeah, you know, I can eat. I bought him something to eat, and I think I gave him maybe $25, $30 or whatever. And I hugged him, and, man, I was crying the rest of the way home, man. And I never saw him again. And then I wrote a story about him on Facebook because I had heard some things and it got to him. 
and he reached out to me. So we've been talking, we Facebook friends now. And when y'all had him on the other day, I was just smiling the whole time, listening to the stories. Cause I played against <laughs> a lot of people. Dude, I ain't never met nobody like Alibaba. One of the baddest jokers ever playing defense. Yes. One of the baddest jokers and can put it in the hole too. So yeah. we we can feel the admiration through that post too, man. And that was largely in part why we really, really, really overly pursued him because the way that you may mention them, you know what I'm saying? Because we was going to get them on, right, Liv? Mm-hmm. When, uh, when uh, Curly Boo made that comment, like, man, when y'all going to get, y'all, when is he coming on? That's how I got, you know, we did not know, uh, you know, the legacy of uh, Darren Brittman until we did that show. Oh, I do. Hey, when somebody take that ball away from you repeatedly, you never forget them. <laughs> At least I, like I said, man, you going up. Let's go. <laughs> now you see it now you don't wow yes but uh let me let me ask you something curly though i know you you give a lot of people a lot of uh, admiration but you're in the hall of fame yourself in peoria i mean i was reading up on you in multiple hall of fames i mean you was a part of enshrining with the nba how does that feel man you know taking the route of not pursuing the nba and going harlem Grove charter route and then still being a hall of famer well it wasn't that um, me not pursuing the NBA. The NBA did not pursue me. Oh, so, yeah, oh I played uh, NAIA ball, which most would consider not to be big time college basketball. So I didn't play the Loras, right? <laughs> yeah, Loras, look at Loras. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's where I played, and uh, Loras. Uh, that's funny, Bobby. You know, um, Chicago, we drag everything out. Yeah, I understand. So, um, and I wasn't a high school star. I started three times on my in my senior year. Um, and for me to have the success I had in college and then parla- parlay that into a career with the Globetrotters, uh, Globetrotters pursued me. Unbeknownst um, to me, they were watching me because I was doing a lot of crazy stuff in college, man. I was doing a lot of stuff and it had a ripple effect. And one of the scouts came out to see me, unbeknownst to me. And then the president of the Globetrotters, dude named Joanne Zavino, came on senior night. And I put, I didn't even know he was there. And my mama was sitting in the front row. My dad had just died about a year and a half before that. So I had to put on the show for mama. Mm-hmm. And he was right there to watch it. And then they offered me uh, a tryout. So then I had to get with JJ. You know, after I graduated college, I had to get with JJ and uh, I had to find where the best basketball was being played in Chicago. And I could go up to Chicago State and I owe Flip a lot because Flip protected me. The first day I played up in Chicago State, a dude named Carl Harris. <laughs> okay. I think we know Carl. I, I love him. He, he is my good friend right now. But at the time, I couldn't stand Carl Harris. I went up there the first day, and I got under his skin. I didn't know who he was. And, man, he hit me with a forearm in my mouth and blood all bust my lip. And I was like, man. And also some dude on the sideline said, dude, you won't mess with him. Better leave him alone. So I just had to take it. But then I met another dude up there. Uh, he was Terry Cummins' younger brother, Lee. Lee the oldest. Yeah, Lee's oldest? Okay. Yeah, man. Lee had the big hands. 
that was the first time I experienced somebody telling me to clear out. <laughs> I ain't learned nothing about that from Peoria. Clear out. I'm like, here I am, 5'11". He was 6'2", 6'3", right. something like that. He'd get a rebound. I'm like, man, kick it to me. Clear out. <laughs> Damn. So, oh, all right. <laughs> Chicago was State was some good ball, but I had to find out where the best ball players were playing. I got with JJ. JJ was playing with in Utah at the time, and JJ took me under his wing like a chaperone because mm-hmm. there was no way I was going to be able to get in to Avalon Park walking up there. Right. Curly Boo from Peoria and Lawrence College. Mm-mm. Right. No, you can't just walk in the gym. Right. When I walked in there with JJ, I was walking in with basketball royalty. That's right. Right, right. I walk up in there, I see Mark Aguirre. I see Mickey Johnson. I see fast-ass Ricky Green. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> and then I see Timmy Hardaway, who was making a name for himself at UTEP. Um, and I see Carl. <laughs> I can't <laughs> escape him. Any gym you go to, you're going to run into Carl. <laughs> I see Carl there. And I met Tony McCoy. Uh-huh. Was a bad joker. When I was in junior college, he led the nation scoring. Mm-hmm. And then a dude named, they call him Leach. I'm Brian like, Leach. Brothers with these nicknames. What happened to Boo and, and Pookie and all that? You got Leach and, and Trash and Ghetto and these type of nicknames in Peoria. No, but his name's Brian Leach. I'm pretty sure you guys know who he is. And right. dude, when I was battling them every single day with JJ, they elevated my game. And I saw a long time ago that that's the only way that you're going to get better is by being challenged. And those guys, uh, I learned a lot from them. I remember the first time I went through the lane, uh, Mark Aguirre about knocked me into Iowa, back into Iowa. <laughs> that was back in the day. If you went through the lane, they could check you. Right, that's right. right. I'm 165 pounds at the time, man. You know, it's a bad <laughs> feeling when somebody hits you and you go up in the air and you see your feet up in the air. Like, man, get your little butt out of here. Bam! <laughs> yeah. And then I looked at him, man. He didn't even smile. Didn't know nothing. No man, my fault? This... Nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> nothing. Uh, oh, wow. Hey, man, let's keep it because um, I just saw something that we, we probably made a mistake. Eddie Hughes, they said, is not a Frederick Hughes brother. He's from Austin High School, right? Right. So let's that's, that's, that's do our fact. Uh, the fact, fact check, check, right? Right. You know, but, but yeah. So let's make sure we put that back out there that that was not our Frederick Hughes brother you were talking about. You were talking about Eddie Hughes from the West Side who played at Austin High School. Hey, that's our first, that's our first uh, fact check there. And 51 shows. But no, no, we got we have basketball junkies that watch our show, so they know who we talking about or whoever our guest is talking about. So that's good. Right. That's they good. call Brian Leach the road runner too, though. Yeah. So, but I want to ask him something, Lil. Was you finna go? I want to go go real quick. You got something? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I mean, okay, you met all of those guys, but you still play for the Globe Trotters, and you did 18 years with the Globe Trotters. Man, how did you stay focused that long? You know, you went to 81 countries. What made you lock into that? What made you stay with it? Because I'm sure other opportunities I, came along the way. Well, number one, I needed a job. Okay. Know? So, And once I made the Globetrotters, 
man, it was fun. I went to like 25 countries my first year and I'm meeting world uh, figures and whatnot, man, this is awesome. I'm getting to play basketball and travel the world. But then I said, you know what, what am I going to do in order to keep this job? You guys know there's not a lot of great basketball jobs. You got a couple hundred in the NBA, the ultimate job. You got overseas ball. But at that time, they were taking two Americans per team. And then you had the Globetrotters. There was, what, 22 of us. Mm-hmm. Good paying job. Get to travel and see the world. So I had to figure out how am I going to stay. So I had to try to come up with different things to do with the basketball as far as ball handling and dribbling. But I also had to try to elevate my game and keep my game tight because when I was playing with the Globetrotters, I wasn't getting to play that much basketball. But when I came back to Chicago, I was battling, you know, all the, the top players in the city. And then I go to training camp. When I got up in age, I'd have to go up against some dude that was 22. So that's how I was able to stay. And I found out that it's better for them to need you than like you. But the fact that they needed me and liked me is why I stayed for 18 years. And I was mad as hell I didn't get to play 19. Wow. And and, and Curly, I I met a gentleman much older than me named Gator. Former Harlem Globetrotter. Mm-hmm. Met him in Kansas City. And man, I, I, he had to be about 60 some years old at the time I met him. He still, he, yep, he still knew how to do all that stuff, man. Like the handles and the spinning the ball and the ball going. I'm like, dude, you, you 70, you got to be close to 70 years old and you still know how to do this stuff so good. I guess all the repetitions that you guys do when you practice those moves and, and all that, I'm pretty sure you still can do all that stuff too. Um uh, when I get pulled over. Right. But but I know I could tell Curly, like by watching when I was little watching Curly, you know, Neil and, and uh Marcus Haynes and do their thing on that on, on the court and how I, how happy I was just to come and like watch them on television not at not at the arena but on television I'm like the girl try to on the girl try to on and then they always mix it with you know the other sports you know it was, yeah. I, you know and I'm like wow but, but I know you guys get a thrill of putting smiles on little kids faces man and and I think that's the biggest gratification that you guys get out of that it is, man. That is gratifying. We're called the ambassadors of goodwill. I had a chance to go to 94 countries and, and spread joy. And I, I came to the conclusion that we were the best ambassadors that this country ever had. And going to 94 countries, a lot of them countries do not like us. And you, you played overseas for a mm-hmm. while. You know that they really don't like Americans. I'm going to go ahead and say it. And we weren't hiding from anybody. Here we are, what? Uh, 12 black men dressed like the U.S. I mean, there's a uniform. It's red, white, and blue, and the, and the shorts are white and uh, red stripe. We were a walking flag, right. and people loved us. And it was good to bring smiles on people's faces all around the world. And even in, the, in this country where people may not necessarily like black folks, they loved us. Right. So I thought we were good ambassadors mm-hmm. and we were uh, 
required to be role models. So I did my best. I drank the Kool-Aid, tried to stay as long as I could, like I said. And when it was over, man, it was devastating for me to take because I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I uh, had so many great teammates. I miss them. We have a Zoom call a couple of times a week when I can get on and it brings back great memories. But when they said I couldn't play no more, I was what, 41, 40 or 41. It hurt. It hurt bad. And I lied to them for three years. I stayed 37 for three years and they didn't even know about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to hang on, man. I knew it was leaving. But you know, Father Time is undefeated. He got me. Hey, you know what, Curly? Yeah. People think that y'all not competing yeah. for real, though. Like y'all don't, y'all not really gifted athletes. You know, can you speak to that? Would you let people know that a lot of y'all are former college athletes? You know, play pro, all of that stuff. Well, I'll be honest with you, Bobby. That's what we hate the most. Is as a ball, we all ball players play college ball, and it's for somebody to look at uh, the show and see the antics that we do and think that we can't play, but if they do their history a little bit, they'll know that the first black player in the NBA was a Harlem Globetrotter. Came out of DuSable High School named Nat Sweetwater Clifton. Mm -hmm. The other two gentlemen that went into the league at the same time he did, Chuck Cooper and Earl Lloyd, were Harlem Globetrotters. The reason why you see the color barrier broken in basketball is because the Globetrotters beat George Mikan in the Lakers. Oh. It wouldn't allow blacks into the league until the Globetrotters beat the Minneapolis Lakers twice and humiliated them the second game. Mark History. Haynes for like, for like 30, 40 seconds, they couldn't take the ball from Marcus Haynes. So the next year, the NBA decided to allow Blacks, and they got Sweetwater from DuSable High School to uh, go to the Knicks. So that is – Will Chamberlain played with us. That's what you I was going to say. Right. Didn't the Big Dipper great, play with y'all? Yep, the great Connie Hawkins played with us. Chocolate Thunder was my teammate. Daryl Dawkins. Damn. Sean Higgins almost became my teammate. I hope he watched it. You know? Sean they, had me, they had me training Sean, showing him all this and that. He didn't even show up to training camp. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to hey. see you, Sean. Hey. Had, me go to the park. had me go pick you up and take you to the gym. Wow. But, uh, with that being said, um, not everybody can can play in the NBA. It was the right path for me. We've had some great players that have uh, gone on to the uh, to the NBA and some that have come to us. But I hate when people say that we're not ball players because that's a pride thing. And we used to go to the gym early before our games and they had to stop us because we was getting into fights. Hmm. You know? So that's why when I would come home in the summer, man, I tried to play as much ball as I could and tried to gain respect because Flip you always used to say, man, hey, y'all didn't pick Curly. Y'all gonna he gonna make y'all pay. I'm telling you, this dude can dribble. I almost <laughs> talk like Flip a little bit. And <laughs> I had respect had to be earned in Chicago. I'm telling you, respect had to be earned, but they said I play team ball too much. Yeah. Hey, hey, you had a nickname called the world's greatest dribbler from uh Marcus Haynes and um what was that, Curly Neal? That's what you call propaganda, Bobby. Oh. Okay. See, when they when they are advertising the game, they want you to come see the show. Right? Yeah. They said we got the world's greatest dribbler. So I was in the footsteps of Curly Neal and Marcus Haynes, and 
Marcus Haynes saw me dribbling. He said, man, you're the world's greatest dribbler now. And I was like, please, please. I don't, you know, I don't want that, that pressure. <laughs> and they started calling me that. And there was nothing I could do about it. I always wanted to be called boo. But then when they started calling me that, man, I would come back home to play ball. Dudes was trying, everyone was trying to rip me. Everybody was trying to rip me, man. I had scratches all over guys diving into my knees and whatnot, man. I'm being clipped on layups. Wow. So I had a little bit of a target on my back, but I got a chance to prove that I could play this game when I ran into Tim Grover downtown. And I was with David Booth. And I saw something on there where somebody said, me and David Booth cousins. Yeah. And uh, me and David used to have a lot of admiration for each other when he was at DePaul. And I was very proud of him. He's from Peoria. And we both light-skinned with curls. So we could, away, <laughs> we, could, we could both get away with saying that we was cousins. Right? <laughs> we, we're not cousins. But like I said, in the black culture, when you, look, when you admire somebody, man, they're my cousin. <laughs> I was with David. And Tim Grover was trying to round up some fellas to play against Michael or with Michael at Hoops the Gym. This is when it was first starting out. So I was mm -hmm. one of the first guys I was playing there. And every day that I came, you couldn't just walk in the gym because Tim would be waiting for you with a list. You had to be on the list. So I survived for three weeks playing against some of the best players and uh, never played with Michael until the last week. I always played against him. But he respected my game to put me on his team. And actually, I didn't like it playing with him, to be honest. Well, you never touched the ball? Well, some put this way. I was going to be open, all right? Because usually it was my man that would run over there to try to double team because nobody could stop him. So I would be open for a 15-footer, and he didn't want to pass, okay? <laughs> it, it pissed him off where he got a pass, but he double teamed. Man, I had to be... Steve Kerr, I had to be B.J. Armstrong, I had to be Craig Hodges, I had to be Trent Tucker, I had to be John Paxson. And I was wide open. If I hit that shot, Michael would be. You made that shot if you didn't. And him and the yeah. goddamn Hall of Globe trying to shit on with that damn <laughs> Coming in here with this Reebok stuff. I told him about wearing that Reebok stuff. Man, don't wear them Reeboks in here no more, man. <laughs> Michael rides you out. <laughs> oh, he's always mad about the Reebok stuff, man. He was mad. But then after, you know, I I played, uh, I was playing really well. He invited me to come over to his restaurant, 160 Blue, which shared the parking lot with Hoots. Mm -hmm. And when mm -hmm. I first started playing there, I would see about five or six of the guys walk over there to the restaurant. And I'd be looking at them like, can I come, please? <laughs> And I come, but I, you know, I didn't want to ask. I didn't want to impose. But every time I would see him walk, and we get done playing, I see him walk over there to the restaurant. I'd be like, man, can I come? I want to go. <laughs> and then one day he asked me, he said, man, Curly, come on over there, man. I went over there and for about four or five days, I sat there and watched him smoke cigars and tell all kinds of stories. So when I saw the last dance, I saw the last dance 20 years ago. Wow. <laughs> I was sitting there, all the stories, talking about punching Steve Kerr and uh, uh, Rodman. I knew all of that stuff. I was sitting there like. Wow. But I got to hang and play with him. Uh, wow. 
<clears throat> for about three weeks. Three weeks. That's real. In heaven. Man. Wow. Man, you you mentioned something when we was off record real quick. Who was the greatest person? Not person, not greatest person, but the most influential figure that you've ever met. You was telling us about it off air, but we wasn't on air. And I didn't live that's, on site. That's that's was on my mind. The most influential people I've ever met is my mother and my father. Hmm. Oh, tell okay. me about it, bro. Okay. I, you know, okay. okay, man. You know, I, you know, I'm just saying that, but be real, Mandela. Um, Nelson. Yeah, Nelson. They called him Madiba. Nelson. Wow. We went to South, a free and democratic South Africa, summer of 1997, the month of July, and on his 79th birthday, we were part of his celebration. So. We get there, and uh, he had so much security. It made me scared to be there. When you see so many weapons and security, you think something's going to happen. Mm. And we all stood in the line. He was going to greet all of us. And I'm the shortest on the team at 5'11", so I'm on the end. And he started with the big guys. And I saw him come, and I said, I can't believe I'm going to meet this man. But I couldn't take a picture of him because we had to leave our cameras on the oh, bus because of the fact he can't take flash photography because they oh. kept kept the brother in jail for 27 years in the dark mostly so he can't take brightness all right so i'm on the end and there was a, a new person from the media there and i said please please when he shakes my hand will you take a picture man this is the only opportunity right I'm staying at the such and such hotel please please right so Mandela got closer and he got closer and all of a sudden, man, I was numb. And when I shook his hand, he said, man, I love the way you pat, pat, pat that ball, <laughs> the way you pat, pat, pat that ball. And I said, thank you. Thank you. And the picture that the guy gave me, my eyes are closed because I'm crying. I was overwhelmed with his greatness. Here's a man. My motto is never give up. Here's a man that uh, spent 27 years in prison gets out of prison and becomes president of the country that imprisoned him. Just overwhelmed with him, his greatness. So there you have it, Bobby. That's wow. I thought, I thought, Curly, I thought you was going to say, he took the picture and he cut my head off. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus, Marcus, man, he, uh, I had an envelope waiting for me at the hotel and I have three pictures of me and Mandela they're all on my Facebook and my media outlets and all that, but that was uh, one of the greatest days of my life meeting him. But to be honest, I joked about it. Uh, my parents, yeah, uh, they create, they created, uh, they created me. They gave me life. That's right. I always have respect and love for them, and I always try to preach it because I don't have them anymore. And I always try to tell people who are lucky that they have their parents in their life that they need to tell them every day that they love them. I know it sounds cliche. Oh, Wonder wrote a song about it. These three words, but those three words are very important. Coming yeah. from me, man, that's 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 tight, man. Hey, we got a uh, one of our Facebook guys here <laughs> had a question about uh, AAU and high school. Do you guys think that they work harder on the AAU side or in the high school? Hmm. 
Go ahead. It depends on who the coach is, in my opinion. Not long and short of it. I, I know Whitney Young coach, uh, Coach Slaughter, he coached AAU and he coached high school, and he had a hell of a lot of success. And then so did Mike Oliver over at Curie, and then so did uh, Nick Irvin at Morgan Park. So it's hard for me to say, man. Okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> hard for me to say. I agree, I agree with you, Bobby. It depends on the coach. And today, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, with the camps I have, a lot of the top players in the greater Peoria area come to my camps. And I'll ask them, they're in the eighth grade. I'm like, man, where are you going to school next year? And they tell me, I'm keeping my options open. Hmm. Like, Damn, a little different. You know, I'm older than, than both of you gentlemen, but you, back in the day, you went to the school that was closest to your house. <laughs> You're damn right. Not no more, <laughs> you know? So with that being said, a lot of that is generated through AAU. These kids play with each other. They end up having great admiration and they want to play together. You know, right. I just saw something the other day. The top junior in the state is getting ready to go to Whitney Young. Yeah, he, he lives in Tinley Park, so I'm pretty sure that. Uh, and he wants to play against the competition that you play in the public league because the public league ain't like no other league that I've ever seen before. Right. It is unforgiving. You got to be able to play in that public league. It gets different when you go down state, but. Them games, night in, night out, in the public league. It's a grind. Because <laughs> you got to deal, deal with the crowd almost more than the players. Because you got people in the stand telling you, you make another basket, I'm whooping you. <laughs> and if you look up in their face, they're like, yeah, make another basket. Liv, you remember them days, right? Y'all yeah, used man. to get threatened out there. I'm laughing, man, because I'm looking at this uh, the timeline and George Montgomery said, so, uh, Curly, you lied to him. He said, you lied to him. You said Curly Neal was your father. <laughs> <laughs> Big G. Big G. Big G played with my boy Tony Weisinger, who I played high school ball with. Um, oh, you played with Tony? Big, yeah, same high school. Man, we were great school rivals, and uh, we were high school teammates, man. Wow. Uh, wow. Love Tony. Love him. And uh, so I got to know some of the – the Illinois players, Doug Altenberger, mm -hmm. man, me and Doug He's Altenberger from PRE too, right? Grade. That's right. So with that being said, I was overseas with the Globetrotters and uh, I believe it was in France and the hotel that we were staying at, Big G was living there. So me and Big G, man, we sat up, drank, drank some wine one night, just talked a whole bunch of stuff. But I know I never said that Curly Neal was my father. <laughs> Every, everybody thinks that Fred Curly Neal is my father, bald-headed Curly Neal. But right. uh, my dad's name is Curly Johnson with hair. Right. <laughs> I did not lie to you, Big G. <laughs> yeah, Big G, that's, that's my man, Big G. But, but yeah, man, so you had a, a hell of a career uh, playing with uh, Alum Grove Trotters and, and did your thing. Now, tell some of our listeners what you're up to now. Well, uh, I'm proud to say I got one of the biggest basketball camps in the state run outside of Peoria and Dunlap, Illinois. Uh, this would have been the 13th year, but we had to shut it down, as you, you know, because of, uh, of COVID-19. So I'm very proud of the success of it. And it's fulfilling to me because when I ended up hanging up my uh, Globe Trotter shoes, people wanted me to coach. Man, I had been on the road so long and uh, 
I just didn't have the uh, the patience for it, mm. or maybe not even the energy. So, with that being said, my camp keeps me busy. But uh, I went on the speaking circuit. I haven't been able to do that because of the situation. Mm -hmm. um, and then I've been involved in producing this documentary called Stolen about uh, DuSable of 1954. And I can't and wait. When, when we get can't off wait. the call and I send you this sizzle, you're going to be like, man, I can't wait to see what happened to these brothers. Man, and, I can't uh, wait. I'm going to send it to you. So that's what I'm doing now. And hopefully things will open up and we can get back to some normalcy. But at this stage right now, for me, Bobby and Marcus, I am rolling with the punches, bobbing and weaving, just like everybody else dealing with what's going on outside with this COVID, with this divisive election, that either way that it swings, it's, it's going to, you know, I hate that saying, it's going to get worse before it get better. I hope but not. I don't know. I'm just trying to be happy and trying not to fight with people. So that's what's it. going on with old CBJ right so now? Curly, so, Curly, I know I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Um, okay. Name your top five Peoria Hoopers. Oh, dude, you're going <laughs> to... I ain't going to be able to cross the bridge. They gonna have, boy, they're going to be waiting for me. Okay. Um, I'm going to get out of this. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna give you my top five, not necessarily in any order. Okay. Okay. Uh, first and foremost, Sean Livingston. <laughs> okay. I said That's I was gonna give one. you in any order, but hey, man, uh, he's from my high school. He's from Peoria High. Um, you guys, it's well documented what he's done. His story is amazing. Uh, Terrence Howard, it needs to be a movie. I agree with him. Um, A.J. Guyton was a bad boy, also from my high school. Yeah, Jaren's talked about him. I can make a whole lot of people mad just go with people from my high school. But uh, we uh, we did something that was unprecedented from Peoria. Manuel, our arch rival, won four straight. That's right. And you had some great players. and But before that, you had Howard Nathan. That's right. You go with our, our Mr. Basketball. Sean Livingston, Howard Nathan. Huh? Sergio McLean, mm -hmm. Frankie Williams. You had four. The other one is is uh, Adam Miller. He may have played for Morgan Park, but he born and raised in Peoria. They gonna He's still claiming him. it. He's still <laughs> claiming him. He's he one, he one of my former campers and coaches. We claiming it. Okay. Uh -huh. What are we right. claiming? He said he so, was only here for a couple of years anyway, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He, he, he went to Chicago and learned how to say, clear out. <laughs> hey, sorry, but, but that's a good but, five though man that's David a good booth. five that's i gotta five. keep going david booth marcus griffin yeah great mark great mark smith who played at your alma mater uh -huh. uh, these guys have played in the 70s of Derek holcomb okay uh, alvin o'neill Shoot, boy! If I leave somebody out, I'm gonna be in trouble. I should stop this fire. <laughs> That's a David David Booth. He said he David. Stone Cold Killer. Brandon Hughes was on one of them championship teams. Uh, I Ivan Watson. Man, I know you can go. You can go on and on, man. But that, that's why I wanted to let people know that Peoria produced a lot of great talent, man. And, and a lot of times, people tend to forget 
I know we, you had said something about you know Chicago, but Peoria, they y'all y'all do breed some tough uh, basketball players from uh, Peoria, Illinois. Not just the funny man Richard Pryor, but you guys got a lot of <laughs> great basketball players that come out of that. Mike Robinson Jr. Forgot about him. There you go. I'm gonna be in trouble. Yeah. I, no, you won't. No, you won't, because they're going to understand, because I, I said five, you know, but, you know, it's just like if you ask me five, I'm like, man, I can't give it to you because I'm going to leave somebody off and then somebody's going to get mad. But it's a lot of great talent that's come out of the state of Illinois, just in general. Agreed. Agreed. Between man, your so two many. schools, you can't do it, Liv. <laughs> Illinois and King, mm -hmm. they will be waiting, too. All right, let me yeah. see where you go Yeah, but... But no, I just I just like to have people. We like to have people like yourself on, uh, Curly, to talk about uplifting people and uh, sharing your life story of what you've been through. You know, some some of the things that you've been through on a basketball court, man. And and hopefully we can help somebody that was maybe going through something, maybe had a down day, and say, man, you know what? I didn't know Curly played for the Harlem Grove Trotter. I didn't know he was 5'11". I didn't know he was called the world's best dribbler. I didn't know he met Nelson Mandela. You know, like, right. come on, man. It's like Harlem Grove Trotters took y'all across the across the continents, all over the world, you know? And, and, and to see, you know, the humility that you have, man, that it's, I know if I played for the Harlem Grove Trotter, I'd be walking around like, yeah, I got my uniform on right now. Yeah, 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 that's me. I got my ball. I'm spinning it. I'm walking down the street whistling and doing the whistle. <laughs> you I, just, know? I just had a kid join. Uh, a guy I was representing with my sports agency. I was doing uh, Malik London. You familiar with Malik London? I'm not, man. You know. This 6'9 uh, guy. This is his first year he was playing that. He's 6'9 you know guy. What? Please pass on my information. I would love to meet him. I love my Globetrotter brethren. And... Um, I should keep up with them more, but like I said, when I left, I left bitter, dude. I was I was bitter. Uh, I signed 18 one-year contracts, and I was mad that I didn't sign contract number 19. And it took a long time for me to, you know, love my team that I loved so much back in the day. So yeah, I would love to meet them, and I wish them brothers well. They're not able to play. Right. I mean. You can't play no bubble game with the Globetrotters. The right. The big thing is, is the fans. Yeah. Play no Globetrotter game without the fans. So they're hurting right now, and hope we all hopefully we all get back together. But uh, so, Curly, were you were you the guy to throw the bucket of water and the uh, confetti or no? Yeah, I had to do that. I started doing that my third year, and but I had to tear the paper my first year. And let me tell you, man, there's certain things that have been passed on for many years. That's one that's sacred. If people go to Globe Trot game, I remember they took it out. Your boy Manny Jackson, first black player at Illinois, was my boss mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. what 12 years. He decided to take out the bucket of water and the confetti. And man, we got some hate mail like you would not believe. Wow. And then folks was hating, hating us like OJ. We wow. took that bucket out. Yes. We had to put it back in. As tired as it is, people go to the game. They expect to see certain things, and that's one of them. So I had to tear the paper. So I got me some newspaper, and I got me some scissors. They said, no, you got to tear it the way the guys before you tore it. You have to do it with your hand and shred it. And you have to oh. fluff it up. There's an art to it. Then you got to put a towel over it. Then you got to get your buckets of water. But then you got to hide it because the teammates, the veterans, will come over and kick it over. Oh. 
man. Oh man, they used to play so you know how it is when you're on the team and you the young the young buck, they uh they play jokes on you, you know. Right. So yeah, they told me I had to go out and find some pigeon milk one night. Had me out to three o'clock in the morning looking for some pigeon milk. <laughs> wow. <laughs> pigeon milk. Oh man. Oh man. So wow. it it's probably just like the NBA. It goes on seniority. I mean, you, you if you just got there, you a rook. You gotta you gotta carry the bags. You gotta do this. You gotta do that. Uh, I remember when I got in the NBA, they used to kick the basketballs purpose all over the arena. And you know, you gotta go get it. Rook, go get the balls. I'm like, man, why y'all kicking it all the way over there? <laughs> You know, and then one time somebody's like, "Man, I need breakfast in the morning when they're on the road. You gotta, you gotta go do these things. That's your initiation to the league. You know, and it's crazy. I bet you the Harlem Globetrotters probably was just like that." Man, my rookie year, I didn't know if I wanted to stay. Man, they was messing with. There was a couple of dudes that was messing with me so much, and I ended up fighting one of them, and I whooped him, and the coach fined us, fined us both one hundred fifty dollars, and the coach kept the money. <laughs> and uh slick, so slick. my first prize fight, but my purse got taken away from me. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, slick though. True That's story slick. though. But um yeah, man, I, I remember this might have been my third or fourth year. I ran into you may not remember this, Marcus, but we played at McNichols Arena in Denver, and I went to uh see Timmy after the game. And I believe your coach was Paul Westhead. Right? Yep. Yep. Okay. And I saw Tim. We took a picture together and everything. It's good to see each other. And then I saw Kenny Battle. Uh -huh. I saw you. And I was like, hey, man, what's going on, man? What's popping tonight, man? Where y'all going? Right. Uh -huh. And he was like, man, we going to this club. And I said, hey, man, you know, hey, can I roll with y'all? And y'all was like, yeah, cool. So I said, man, let me go get my jacket. I came back. Y'all was gone. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Hey, hey. was probably man. Forget all them that Harlem Globetrotter <laughs> tricks and red, white, and light skin curls. Hey, oh, that was man. that was uh that was Kitty Battle, man. I'm gonna put that one on him, man. He was probably he was trying to get to the club, so we we had to ride out, man. <laughs> you know, he became my coach with the Globetrotters. Kitty wow. did. Man, I think uh, me and Kenny the same. Hey, I born in 65. Kenny might be a year or two younger than me. But Manny Jackson, who owned the team, was the first black player at Illinois, along with a dude named Governor Vaughn. Manny bought Kenny the training camp. But Kenny's knee was bad. Right. And he wasn't going to be able to play. So he made him assistant coach. So here I am hanging out with, with Kenny, man. I was hanging out with Kenny all the time, man. That was a funny dude. Tight. You funny yeah, dude. Me and him was tight, but uh, they let Kenny go right after we played at the University of Illinois at Assembly Hall. Uh, Globe Trotters used Kenny to promote the game. Oh, man. And, man, when they announced Kenny, man. The crowd went crazy. Standing ovation for about seven, eight minutes. Standing ovation as assistant coach of the Globe Trotters. Wow. So after the game, I met him at the bar, and he had a fax in his hand. He said, man, they just fired me. Oh. Bullshit, man. Dang, for what? Yeah, sure. Yeah, true story. Damn. Let Kenny go. But he helped promote that game. 
Right. They were like, we going to fire after the game, not before the they game. They did. They did, man. I, I was upset by, about That's it. That's I couldn't say nothing about it. You know, when you drink that Kool-Aid, you got to drink all of it. Right. Right. You know, remember yeah. I said you want them to need you, but you also want them to like you. Right. The fact that they needed me and they liked me is why I stayed for 18. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Randy Brown brother played for Wild Grove Tower too, Jermaine Brown. Dude, I got I got we call him J B. Um I got him the tryout. Okay. What happened was Randy, uh, I used to play with him at East Bank. Love Randy. Used to beat me up. Um Randy's strong. He mm-hmm. kept telling me about his brother could jump, man. He said I think their mother had just passed away and he was taking it hard. He said, man, can you get him on with the Globetrotters? I said, okay, man, bring him up to the gym. So we had, at that time, the world record holder in the slam dunk dude named Mike Wilson. Mike mm-hmm. Wilson Wilson that played in Memphis. 56-inch vertical leap. Now, hey, I'm not hey. sitting here trying to fabricate. No, I remember that. I remember you that. Get, you get on YouTube and you can see him dunk on the rim 12-2. So don't let me just tell you. Go to YouTube and you'll see it. I used to throw pass. I couldn't throw him a bad pass on the lob. A bad pass turned into an unbelievable dunk. Okay? And I couldn't throw it too high. He would contort his body. I threw Randy's brother, Jermaine, them same passes up at East Bank to see what he could do. Man, he caught them passes. And, you know, I throw him a bad pass. He'd take it and whip that sucker around his ankles and and all this stuff. I was like, man, this is a mother right here. Right? So I called the Globetrotters. I said, dude, you guys got to get this dude in training camp. You got to get him there. You know, he is unbelievable. But the Globetrotters have a scout. And they don't like nobody coming in, you know, telling them about somebody. So man, it never got to Manny Jackson. But then I had to do this appearance. I was in this boardroom. And I had a tape of Jermaine on this show called City Slam, where uh-huh. he won the finalists in the dunk contest. Right. And he did this reverse 360 with ease because he had a lot of funk to his dunks. And I said, Manny, I said, man, take a look at this boy right here. I put the tape in and showed him doing about three, four dunks. And Manny was like, hey, hey, where's this kid at? We got to get him in training camp. We got to get him in training camp. This is a, this is a, amazing. Where's this boy at? I said, he's Randy Brown's brother, man. I got his number and everything. Yeah, we got to get him to training camp. So they bring him to training camp. He made the team. They let my ass go. Damn. <laughs> what? True story. <laughs> True story. After your 18 Wow. Years? Yeah. Yep. They flew me out to Arizona, and I thought I was going to sign a year. I, th- I tell you, I, li- I lied to them for three years. I told them, uh, well, they made a mistake. They gave me a questionnaire. I was in about my 12th, 13th, 14th year with the team. They gave me a questionnaire and said I had to fill it out. And I'm like, man, you know everything about me. I've been here for 14, 15 years. Right. And on that questionnaire, it said date of birth. So I said, okay, I'm going to fix their ass. I was born in 1965. I put 1966. The next year, they gave me that questionnaire again. I put 1967. The next year, they gave me that same questionnaire. I put 1968. I stayed three. I stayed at 37 years old for three straight years, and they didn't know about it. Wow. Wow. They caught up to me. They flew me out to Arizona and they signed Jermaine and they let old CBJ go. Uh, so well, that's how yeah, it ended. 
They was like, thank you, Curly. You've just brought your replacement. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know what? He, he was a dunker. Right. I'm not a dunker. I was a dribbler, ball handler, point guard. But I was proud that he made the team, you know, because I had recommended somebody else, and it backfired on me. And I didn't think I was going to be able to recommend nobody um, ever again. And he's from Chicago. I'm not going to mention his name. But, dude, I couldn't recommend nobody until Jermaine. And I was proud of him that he had, you know, uh, several years with the team. Uh, I, I did a solid for my boy Randy. I love Randy. Mm -hmm. so, can you uh, get us Randy Brown? Yes. I can get Randy. I can get Randy. Oh, okay. All yeah, right. I can get Randy. No, I want. Uh, I wanted to. Uh, before we let you go, ask you because this is how the Harlem Globetrotters, you know, get down. Always get the point guards. Who was the the point guards before you got there? Name the the the, the three point guards before you got there. Okay. When you say point guards, they usually dribblers like me. Yeah, the dribblers. Yeah, the pads on. Yeah, uh huh. Um, Curly Neal retired, but they let him go in '85. No, the Globetrotters usually don't retire; they kick you out. And uh, Curly Neal played 22 years. Mm -hmm. His last year was 1985, so I missed playing with Curly by three years. I played with Metalark one year, but I played with. Curly, I never played with Curly. When you talk about the Globe Charter dribblers, first and foremost, Marcus Haynes. There you go. Right, right. Marcus Haynes. I mean, if you don't know who he is, YouTube him. You will find out. Curly Neal was amazing, but every, what uh, Curly Neal's personality, his ball handling and dribbling ability, and his ball head overshadowed how great of a shooter he was. Mm -hmm. He shut down mm -hmm. ABC Wireworld of Sports. He hit three from almost half court in a row. Huh. And Metal Arc took him out the game and said, no, you're stealing my show. You ain't shooting the fourth one. Wow. <laughs> yes. So when you talk about point guards, great dribblers, Curly Neal, Marcus Haynes, a guy from Chicago that was mentioned recently, Lee, the great Leon Hillard, okay. who was murdered um, oh. in Chicago. Um, Gator Rivers. Yeah, that you met one of the uh, great globe trotter dribblers. So, those wow. are the guys that that were the great uh, dribblers of the globe trotters over the years. Wow. Marcus Haynes was the first. You know, I wow. like when I first started dribbling the basketball, learning how to dribble the basketball. I knew how to dribble, but I didn't know really that the fundamentals, like the stuff that I've been seeing you do, the, the spider and the you know the figure eight. Mel Davis. Mel Davis taught me. Trick Davis. Yep, he taught me those dribble moves, man, and I do it to this day in my camps. You know, the figure eight. You know, the spider. You know, I do those drills, man, and it helped me. Even though I was six eight, it helped me handle the basketball. And I tell people, you got to have that hand eye coordination. You know, if you don't have that, you'll never be a great great ball handler. I'm glad that you mentioned Mel Trick Davis. Uh, he was friends with my father. Um, Mel Davis was from Dunbar, and he led them, I think, about two years after DuSable, Dunbar went down and got third or fourth place. But I remember my dad introducing me to him, and I worked with him. And he didn't have a kneecap. I don't know if you remember, he had that yeah. bad knee, his huh. kneecap taken out. And he, had, he gave me his business card, 
and I'll never forget it said, half ball will travel. Mm-hmm. Something like that with his number on it. And he lives up in Vancouver now. I don't know if you knew that. And no. we would go up there to play. I get to see old Mel. And I talked to him about the DuSable documentary about a year ago. So it was good to talk to old, old yeah. Mel Trick Davis out of Dunbar. Wow. Mm-hmm. See, man, crazy how it keeps going right back to the Holland Grove trying to die. People learn the game. Like I learned the game actually, you know, really was taught from Mel Davis. And I give him the credit. Every time I talk, my dad and him introduced me, but on the side, he was the one really showing me a lot of them the moves, man. And his son, who I came up with, Mel Jr., he was a good friend of mine. And I know he lives in Atlanta. But attorney, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were doing our thing, man. So big shout out to the Holland Grove Childers, man. Before we let you go. Appreciate that. Before you go that, let me just say this, though. Uh, without Isaiah Thomas and the Harlem Globetrotters, you know what I'm saying? We stole all that dribbling from them, you know? Dude, and, dude. and, of course, Clyde Bradshaw at DePaul. That was my other guy. But, yeah. Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, Willie, Willie, Scott. Willie Scott was the one uh, that uh, taught me so many things. And my dad had me work out with him. I was just coming out of high school, didn't know my future. And I would work out with Willie Scott and then I would shoot with JJ and Willie Scott would teach me all this stuff, how to look at defenders feet and stuff like that and how to shift weight. And then he would show me all these drills and then we play one-on-one for about three, four games. He said, tear my ass up every single time. <laughs> every single time. You, you know? can't beat the, you can't beat the teacher, man. It's, 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 not at all. It's like karate kid. Yep. You know what I'm saying? It's like Kung Fu snatched his pebble from my hand <laughs> and all that type of stuff. But then I ran into Willie at Margate Park. I'm in about my first or second year with the Globetrotters. Willie is a superstar in Argentina. So I go to all these countries. I would see JJ on billboards in Spain. I would wow. see Willie Scott all over Argentina. So I'm playing against the teacher at Margate Park. And man, I got the best of Willie that day. You know, I probably had about 18. He had about 15. And I got the best of them. But he put a move on my ass. The last <laughs> play of the game. that had people running out the door. Man, and I just erased everything that I did. Erased everything. I love Willie. I hope y'all have him on. You know, I'm going to be watching. Definitely be going to get Willie on, man. Uh, but you got to drop some knowledge, man, one more time before we leave to, to the up-and-coming hoopers who want to get involved with the hoop game. Drop some knowledge on them, man, what they what they should expect in the game of basketball. Well, it's a simple formula. You work hard, hard work pays off, and you believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will. And don't ever, ever give up. If it worked for me, it could work for you. I went to 94 countries dribbling a basketball. <clears throat> well, this is this is one from 1927. But Damn. let me tell you. This took me around the world. If I could do it, you can do it too. So don't ever give up. No matter how hard you try, don't ever give up. Amen. Amen. Curly what? Boo Johnson in the building. Curly. I still think I could have got you though, Curly. I had ugly handles, G. <laughs> you all, you all. He all talk, man. Dude, hey. I learned so much from my Chicago brothers. I learned a lot, man. I learned about clear out. <laughs> that was Lib. That was him. That was his favorite word. 
No, I never, I never cleared out. I just didn't pass it to him. Right, I got you next time. <laughs> <laughs> My man. Oh, wow. Uh, well, we, we appreciate you, uh, Curly Bath, coming man. on, man. and uh, thanks, man, for having you, man. And uh, stay safe out there, bro. Stay safe, man. Back at you. I'll be watching. Thanks, right. Curly Boo, man. God right. bless you, brother. Love you, bro. Back at you, B. Reed. You know it. Peace. All right, we right. gone. All right, boy. All right. Later. Yeah, Marcus man. Liberty, Margaret Liberty. That was a good one, that that boy. Yeah, man. I love the handles. You know, you talking handles. I love that stuff. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.